ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. After a huge rise in our power bills last year, millions of households are about to see another big hike from this weekend. That's despite the government extending its price cap on gas and a big push towards renewables. Today, the ABC's energy reporter, Dan Mercer, on what's happening in the market and how we can protect ourselves from spiralling costs. Dan, I think a lot of us on the East Coast have received these letters from our electricity providers in recent weeks with the rather grim news that our power bills are going to go up once again. That's right, Sam. Yeah, unfortunately, from Saturday, which is the beginning of the new financial year, benchmark power prices will rise for households and businesses across pretty much all of Australia's eastern seaboard. The hikes to so-called default market offers will affect customers in southeast Queensland, in New South Wales and Victoria and South Australia. And while technically the number of customers on those rates is relatively small, somewhere in the order of 10% all up, the benchmark price is much more important than that. It essentially sets the pace of all the other price rises in the market. So it affects everybody and that's about 10 million customers. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you're on the default market rate or you've done a deal with your company, you're still going to have a rise in your electricity bills. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as mentioned, the default market offer might only apply to a relatively small number of consumers, but it affects everybody. Mm. There's, you know, another element to this as well. And that's how these rising prices are betraying, you know, a growing energy divide in Australia. A lot of wealthier households have used and will use price hikes as the impetus to take matters into their own hands and install things like solar panels or batteries or heat pumps, anything to sort of mitigate or shield their exposure. Mm. But of course, not everybody can afford or get access to these things. You know, just think of poorer households, renters, people living in apartments. So for these cohorts, the pain is likely to be even worse. Yeah, there's no way for them to get out of these electricity bills. So tell me, Dan, how much will the bills increase by? What are we expecting? Yeah, well, those benchmark prices, they're going to go up between about 21% in New South Wales, 21.5% in South East Queensland, 24% in South Australia, and about 25% in Victoria. So a big whack. Mm. And keep in mind, that's just the default offer customers pay when they can't be bothered or they're not able to look around for a better deal. More broadly, we've seen reports of retailers hiking offers by much, much more. In fact, some people's power prices are reportedly rising anywhere up to 80% or even 100% in some cases. Oh my gosh. And that could be because they've been on a really low tariff Mm. and the term of that deal is expiring. But any way you look at it, it's, you know, a whole lot of price pain for consumers. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's on top of the increases we already had last year. 
Exactly. That's right. And, you know, benchmark prices jumped about 20%, I think, in some cases last year. And many customers besides were hit with whopping great tariff increases. And so, you know, when you add those increases together, it's a lot of money. Um, Together, well, thousands of dollars a year for some customers, I would imagine. Mm, mm. And it's also unprecedented, I believe. We've never had back-to-back power price increases like this in Australia. And more to the point, it's coming at the worst time for many households you know, who are already struggling with rocketing interest rates, grocery bills going up and insurance premiums really kind of jumping as well. So it's just another financial blow. Yeah, talk about the perfect storm. So Dan, explain to me why we have to have such big hikes once again this year. Yeah, I think, it, you know, what we're seeing is the long tail of energy market upheaval. Last year, as you'd remember, Sam, you know, the power and gas markets went berserk, really. Prices for gas and coal in particular were already high at the beginning of the year when Russia invaded Ukraine in February uh, 2022. Now, given that Russia is one of the world's biggest energy providers, that war just sent those markets into the stratosphere. The sanctions on Russia have led to another surge in the cost of oil and gas. There's a more immediate problem skyrocketing gas prices. They've been pushed up internationally by the war in Ukraine. You know, on top of that, in Australia, coal supplies were crunched because of the floods we had last year. Demand surged on a cold winter and renewable energy can sometimes experience droughts in those cooler, cloudier months where you can get long periods where, you know, perversely it can be quite still. You know, all of those things just collided. And as a result, wholesale prices for energy went to three, four, even five times their normal level. Now, all that might seem like history, but you know it's critical to the price rises we're about to see because energy providers often contract on an annual basis. So those prices they've been wearing over the past year will flow through to consumers from July. And what about the government cap that's been in place? That's been in place for a while now. I thought that was meant to keep things in check to actually help households. Look, it was, and I think to a certain extent it actually has. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why the government extended at 18 months to 2025, mid-2025. The federal government is extending its controversial price cap on East Coast gas producers. This is all about, if you like, cutting the link between very volatile international gas prices and the prices Australian industries and households pay for Australian gas, and that's what we're doing. That measure capped gas prices at $12 a gigajoule and coal at $125 a tonne. And, you know, by and large, markets have fallen back to those sorts of levels. But policies like these are always harder to implement than government's wager. And we've seen reports of gas producers, for example, just withholding supply over complaints that the policy is poorly designed and it's creating these unintended consequences. It's a, it's a minefield for them to navigate. Mm-hmm. And the federal government, for its part, reckons the caps have saved the average household hundreds of dollars a year on bills. But either way, you know, the policy was only ever supposed to be an interim thing. Yeah. Okay. So it may have saved us some money, but certainly we're still going to have these hikes this year. So it's it's a tough time for households. So tell me, Dan, what can we actually do as a nation, do you think, to address this, to make things a bit easier? We probably should just start by saying that we're in a transition, you know, in a mm-hmm. once in a century transition that should ultimately 
lead to fairly stable prices, if not mm-hmm. low prices, but stable prices because wind and solar resources are essentially free, albeit you have to pay for the infrastructure to get those resources to market. And we've come a surprisingly long way in that transition already. I mean, last year, about a third or more of the power generated and used in the national electricity market across the eastern seaboard was renewable. The energy market operator, known as AEMO, says we're now setting records for the amount of renewable energy in the system. And, you know, that's a hell of a feat, considering, you know, the amount of clean power in the system just 20 years ago was practically nothing. But in some ways, we've done the easy bit of the transition, Sam. Essentially, we've added lots of wind and solar power to a system that still runs on fossil fuels. We're now rapidly reaching a tipping point where renewable energy is becoming such a big part of the market that it's breaking the business model of coal plants in particular. And so the coal plants are shutting The Liddell coal-fired power station closed last month and AGL is looking to demolish the facility to make way for an industrial energy hub powered by wind and solar. Unfortunately, there's a growing sense that the renewable energy needed to replace that coal is just not coming online fast enough, nowhere near it. Mm. And it's even more acute for the firming technologies, so things like batteries, pumped hydro plants and gas generators that really are needed to back up the wind when it's not blowing and the sun when it's not shining. It seems like it's a sort of longer term fix. How long is that going to take, I suppose, where we're all in a position that this is benefiting us? Yeah, that's the $64 million question. Yes. <laughs> Daniel Westerman, he's the head of the Australian Energy Market Operator, which runs the system systems really across Australia. And he certainly seems to be a little worried. Renewable energy is the cheapest form of new build energy. But this investment is not happening fast enough. He told a big conference last week that this is the biggest transformation of the system since the introduction of electricity itself. But he reckons delays to the construction of things like transmission lines, you know, that's going to leave the grid vulnerable when the coal inevitably uh, and that's exits. Why we're calling for uh, urgent investment in transmission. Our transmission um, network was laid out about 70 years ago and energy today from the sun and the wind is in very different places. And, you know, coal-fired power still accounts for about 60% of Australia's electricity needs. And, you know, as much as two-thirds of that capacity could leave the grid by 2030. You know, the cheapest way to create new capacity is through renewable energy backed up by storage. Um, you know, that's certainly a view that Daniel Westerman seems to hold. But until the transition is complete, I just don't think that people should expect their power bills to come down or this volatility to significantly ease because we're essentially going to be rebuilding the system as we go. Yeah. Okay. So, Dan, so while we're waiting for the green transition to be completed, and we all want to see that quite soon, I'm sure, but what can consumers do in the meantime? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, Sam, if people can shop around for a better deal, then they really, really should make that call. Yeah. The default market offer is exactly what it says on the tin. It's what you fall back on if you don't find something better somewhere else. And consumer advocates reckon you can save $1,000 a year or perhaps even more just by getting the best deal possible. But beyond that, you know, all energy and electricity gas retailers are bound by law to offer their customers payment plans and assistant plans if they're in hardship. So don't be afraid to ask for the help if you need it. 
you know, for those households who can afford it, I dare say, you know, these price hikes may be the prompt they needed to get solar or other energy efficiency devices. For those who can't, you know, there's probably no point in sugarcoating it. It's going to be hard. You know, how to bridge that growing energy divide is going to be an increasingly vexing problem. Dan Mercer is the ABC's energy reporter based in Western Australia. The same price increases won't affect residents in WA, the ACT, Tasmania and the Northern Territory because those states and territories have different bodies setting prices. This episode was produced by Veronica App App, David Cody, Flint Duxfield and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>